guys, welcome to another week of Makeup, Masking, and Murder. Today I have a guest that I'm so excited about. We've been talking about it for like a month and we finally made it happen. So here I have Kelly Pack, the owner of The Brow Hive. Hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you for being here. So you own The Brow Hive and I feel like this is the place that like and not in like a snooty way or anything, but like anyone who's anyone goes. Like anyone who you're like, they have good brows, it's like goes to the brow hive, like you do such a good job. And I clearly need to come in right now, but you guys are so great. And I feel like always like keeping up on like the trends and fluffy natural brows, but also like you are really good at like tailoring to what people's face shape is. And I don't know, talk about, how did you start the brow hive? Um, well, um, you know how there's that meme going around that says, "I never." when I was little, I never knew eyebrows were that important. Mm-hmm. Well, I did know that they were that important. Oh. Um, like, I'm not kidding. Like, as a small child, I yeah. was obsessed. Um, and I am a product of the night. Like, I was in high school in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So I <laughs> naturally had dotted lines for eyebrows. <laughs> and then I went through the 2000s, which was also thin, but not as thin. And so... Okay. I mean, I was always, you know, staring at everyone's eyebrows. And so mm-hmm. I became an esthetician and I always tell people I uh, quickly learned I didn't like giving facials. I just wanted to get them. Okay. And so, like, I almost gave up. But then um, I saw Anastasia on, like, E! News or something. And she was doing all the celebrities' eyebrows. And yeah. I kind of put, the like, my two passions together. Because there was nobody... Because this was, like, 17 years ago. There was nobody specializing in eyebrows. Yeah. There just wasn't. Like, yeah. it was kind of always just an afterthought. Yeah. Um, And so I worked at a really busy salon in Provo where, like, there was some awesome hairdressers. And um, they sent me all their clients for eyebrows. Oh, and, like, awesome. in that little salon in Provo is where I started waxing, like, Ali Hennick, who she's the founder of Nana & Co. Okay. Um, and, and, um, yeah, I just, I, I actually started waxing a lot of like kind of, you know, popular, famous influencers well, before so they I, were famous. Yeah. I saw you, I found you through Alexis Jade Kayser. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Love her. Oh, her style is so cute. Oh. And, and she's her just, hair is she's always just, on her brows. And personality. She's yeah. great too. Oh, that's awesome. But, um, yeah, I just, I started specializing in just eyebrows, um, and that's that's all I really enjoyed doing. So then mm-hmm. that's all I did. And it's that's kind of awesome. worked out. I still love doing it. Um, I've kind of done brows all over like Utah County and Salt Lake County. But um, I opened the Brow Hive about three and a half years ago. Okay. Um, and The same spot as the one in Holiday you're at no, now? No, I started in um, Midvale. Okay. Um, in this little, little tiny room in the oh. Midvale Image Studios. Wait, the Fort one Union. on Fort Union? Yeah. I used to work there. You see, and I'm like, so did a lot of people, but I was but like. But you don't see each other. No. Because it's like everyone's in their own. It's, yeah, it's oddly. But I wonder oddly, if we were there at the same time. That's so weird. I know. We probably were. I, was, I swear you started coming to me there. No? Mm-mm. No. Okay. All the day, I'm pretty sure. But I was in the studio with um, Emily and, oh my gosh, I just forgot her name. But do you know Tatum Wetzel? Yeah. Her, she took my old studio. Okay. So I used to be in Tatum's that other, one. yeah, Tatum's other studio was next to mine. Okay. So yeah. 
crazy. Oh, that's so neat. Also, do you remember, well, were you there when the cops came and they were like, oh, people are shooting up drugs in your bathroom? Um, no, but I I always miss the good stuff, <laughs> like, with that location, because there was, I hear there's, like, a oh, There was a car guy, chase one time. There was, like, a drunk guy passed out in the lobby on the couch with oh. no shoes on. Oh. I miss that. Or, like, did you hear about the flasher? No. You didn't hear about the flash. Okay, that's kind of essentially why I left, kind of. That was yeah. kind of my tipping point. Um, yeah. There was a flasher that was never caught that would Shut go up. going from studio <gasps> to studio flashing his Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Ew. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of I questions that. about that. Um, I hear you're supposed to point and laugh when they do that. Like, you're not supposed to act... Just disgusted so and surprised you're supposed to point and laugh at their genitalia oh. fyi just <laughs> tips, in case that happens tips. um maybe it will help break their confidence best, their, their, their confidence. false confidence that they have <laughs> their their like um sexual disturbances yeah <laughs> like what i don't get it yeah so i was in my studio one morning and these cops like are looking through my window and i'm like what the hell so they come i'm like can i help you and they come in and they're like yeah there's this couple running around and they're going and like shooting up in all the bathrooms and i was like okay and they're like yeah it's just a guy who's like six five and he's wearing a dress and then a woman (laughs) who's like like probably like 28 but your typical meth user looks like 50 i was like okay like well so what like what do we do? And he's like, just, if anyone goes in the bathroom and sees needles, just let me. I was like, how about you go check the bathroom? We have kids who go in there and just anyone. And also like, what if someone stumbled into the scene? I was like, how about you go check that out? And I don't remember if they did, but I actually. Tell them to go to Jamba Juice and do that. I was, (laughs) (laughs) I was driving to work a couple days later and saw them like handcuffed on the curb. It was really sad. Well, and also like, that guy at the stop sign holding the sign that was literally he'd literally be like passed out standing up yeah and it was just like it's like don't just lay down just lay down yeah yeah i feel like he's been there for like years years he's just barely awake (laughs) i guess he's good at standing up asleep yeah anyways off topic but on topic right yeah um okay so you did you when you were at that image studios was it just you or had you because you have multiple employees now how many two or three um or more three i just hired my third but then we have another person doing social media so technically four oh my gosh you're just a growing and then my nanny so technically five technically five um uh yeah it was just me and you know i've been doing this a long time and i don't really feel the need to be like the best like Mm -hmm. i want just the brow hype to be the best yeah um, and so I've trained people because I just I want to make I want to create a place where people know they can come and just always leave with like the best brows they've ever had. Like yeah. no matter who they no go to. No matter who they go to, not be like worried if they don't get in. Yeah, they just and... know that like they know that they're safe with us. I love that. And we can handle all your brow needs. Yeah. Except for microblading. We don't do microblading. No microblading. Um, let's talk about microblading. Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay, so. My take on microblading and why we don't personally do microblading, I think there's a time and a place for microblading. Mm-hmm. I think that on Instagram, we're all brainwashed with all these beautiful before and after pictures. Yeah. But what you don't see is what I is what we see in our studio is a month out of microblading, two months out, two years out, 
it doesn't look beautiful, guys. Mm-mm. It fades to a very strange color. Orange. Um, we've seen we're or seeing gray. a lot of really bright pinks lately. Oh. And I, I, I that's I think my whole the the whole like thing with the marketing behind it is, um, it's kind of a lie because you're you know they market it like oh you never have to wear makeup again but really like unless you're like in denial of yeah. your pink your hot pink or your bluish gray eyebrows like you want to put makeup over that yeah you know so yeah. no um, I I think it's great for old ladies yeah 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 who like literally don't have they don't eyes. have eyebrows they can't see anymore and then maybe it will give them like a guideline because they're mm-hmm. still gonna have to put makeup over it unless yeah. they're into that hot pink tattooed look. I always tell people or the blue, yeah, Do or blue the blue hair, gray. blue brows, like you're in, vibe. yeah, like or I say if you're going to prison, do it. You'll fit in, like <laughs> you'll fit like, right. Like in. if you're going to prison, for sure get microbladed. <laughs> I have theories that was founded in women's prison prisons. I'll in be Russia. down next week. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, men too. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you have a theory that <laughs> microblading was founded in women's prisons in Russia. Okay, keep going. I mean, going. just think, just sit with that and let <laughs> that soak in. I guess it's very barbaric. I think yeah. they they get the shank and they were oh they make the hair like strokes that don't stay hair like. And I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just like, I just realized that not everyone stares at eyebrows all day, and yeah. not everyone sees what I have to see, and yeah. like. I think it, there's a time and a place, like I said, but I it's not like the pictures on Instagram. No. I even see this a lot. Like, as a makeup artist, people come in and I'm like, let me color correct your brows now. Like, it's It so... is. It's, you have to color correct. Or I had this client who, like, bless her heart, she was so sweet, but she came in and she's like, no, I want this brow out. Like, like she was, like, super nitpicky and she was like, I want it out a little further. I was like, well, it's tattooed to your face. Like, what do you want me to do? Like... Yeah. And just... Like, it's just, it's there. Yeah. And it's not, it, I it's if a it little bleeds. harsh. Does it bleed? Yeah. Because, like, like, tattoos bleed a little. Like, I've only seen, like, a couple people's, like, hair-like strokes. I mean, the hair, like, with each touch-up, the, they get wider and wider, and a lot of times they, like, bleed together. Yeah. Um, and it, my, my, one of my worst things is when they try to tattoo the fluffy brow look. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's, again, going to fade to a weird color. And you've got these, like, lines tattooed out, like, coming out of your eyebrows onto your forehead. And it doesn't look like hair, guys. No. But, I mean, do what you want. I'm just letting you know. Do your research. Well, don't – the re, there's not really research because every yeah. – the marketing isn't – It's not. Right? It's yeah. – the people just want your money. I'm not wanting your money. Yeah. For it. <laughs> I'm saying save your money unless you're an older woman. Yeah. Or, you know, you love that kind of harsher look is your look mm-hmm. it's kind of a harder i mean my like well. going to prison just kidding <laughs> but sort of like that prisoner look is what you're just kidding if that's your vibe but and like yeah. if you've had it done we like um we're we're always like helping people color correct we have like mm-hmm. a lot of different like powders and stuff and we can kind of teach you how to do that yeah but you there is like a there is like um and i it cracks me up when you see like people microblading they're like correcting other people's work and it's like no your work's gonna fade to that color too i don't know yeah no i completely agree and i think that's a good segue into our product spotlight yes which we're sharing today because yeah just take it away this is your product and tell us about peach fuzz okay so peach fuzz is um essentially 
um, one of our, the only products. It's like we sell mostly. We just sell peach fuzz. Yeah. Um, it's actually a universal color, and it looks good on everybody. Which I hundred percent every will vouch. honey. It looks every good honey. on every honey. Every honey. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I use it on like I bought this mainly for myself, but I was like, I want to test this out, like. You know, I'll work with clients of, like, so many different skin colors, hair colors, all this. It seriously looks good on everyone. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I was like, oh, maybe, like, you know, you're just skeptical because how would it? But it really does. It looks good on everyone. You've made such an amazing product. And it's just so easy to put on and looks so good. I'm a big fan. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's especially great for, like, those sparse areas. Mm -hmm. Um. You put it in and it just kind of looks like hair. Yeah. It's kind of the the whole, that's why we named it Peach Fuzz. I feel like it's like the perfect, not warm, not ashy. It's like the perfect neutral. Yeah. yeah. And you can always like layer it too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if something's a little too warm, you put a little Peach Fuzz on it. Like, yeah, kind of like color correction. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of neutralizes it and it looks more natural. I'm pretty sure that's what I reach for every time I have a client with bad microblading. Yeah. Or if you, with the microblading, like... It's great when it fades pink, peach fuzz will neutralize it. Mm-hmm. Or if it fades blue and you want to change the shape. You can just do it. Use peach fuzz in different areas. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. So how much do you sell it for? It's $30. Okay. It will last you like 10 years. I've literally had mine for, I think, almost two. Yes. <laughs> I'm like not even hitting pan yet. And I use it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It lasts a really long time unless you lose it. So can where can listeners come buy it? Um, you can buy it on our website okay. and in studio. So browhive.com. What is your Instagram handle? The Browhive. Okay, perfect. So yeah, everyone go check out the Browhive. So how did you decide on your branding? And like, you're just so cute with like your bee emojis and honeys and all of that. How did you decide on it? Um, well, I kind the name just kind of came to me um driving and I think it is my personality to be um, a little bit more, like, theatrical yeah. than maybe other beauty businesses. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, this is the the beehive state of, you know, Utah is okay. the beehive state. So um, I kind of in the, like, early days, I was, I would just say, you know, we promise not to sting or come see what all the buzz is about. <laughs> Cute. But then I go through weeks of just feeling completely embarrassed about it, and I didn't do it as much. Yeah. And my husband was, like, so embarrassed, too. Like, he was like, don't. Like, don't be cheap. Like, don't. I think it's so cute. But then I thought, as a customer, I, like, I enjoy yeah um, things that are a little bit more, like, extra. catchy and, yeah, a little more extra. So <laughs> I'm like, no, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. And I think it's worked out really well. It totally has. It 100% Don't has. always do what your husband suggests. <laughs> Speaking of husbands, you, and he might kill me, but... You actually waxed Britain's brows recently, yes, yep. and they look so good, and he good. loves them. But, so do you do a lot of manscaping, man waxing? What is the word? <laughs> we do. I mean, we do more women than men. Yeah. And I'm not sure why that is, because a lot of, like, I'd say 50% of women we wax are like, do you do men? I'm going to get my husband in here. I think it's just they can't get their husband in there. Yeah, I'm just like, maybe they just, I don't know if... I don't know if a lot of men go to their barbers and get their brows done. I think a lot of men just don't get their brows done, too, though. Yeah. I mean... We need to really push for that. Well, it's like that thing where a lot of men, like, 
are like, no, I don't use skincare. And it's like, why? We all have the same skin. Like, it's wild. But it's just this, like, social norm that hopefully is changing a bit more. And I think is, like. Yeah. And also, I think if guys don't have, like, full-on unibrow, they're, like, not concerned about it usually. Yeah. And, like, my husband, he has, like, the greatest natural shape for brows. Yeah. Like, that's why I married him is so (laughs) we could have babies together. So they'd get it. I'll get great brows. Yes. I love it. You know, some men don't really need it, but the yeah. ones that need it need to come to us because we won't make you look, we'll, it will make you look natural. Yeah. Yeah. Because I actually love doing men. They've just got more hair. Yeah. Good time. Britain loves his brows. It's great. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Okay. One more question. So what's more satisfying when someone comes in with just like ratchet brows and you get to like do this full transformation or when someone comes back in and you're like, wow, they still look good. And I did that. I'd say the ratchet brows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it's usually not a one time thing. It usually takes several okay. months yeah. and it's, you know, they have to commit to not tweezing or going to see mm-hmm. anyone else. And sometimes it happens so like slowly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, my gosh, I looked at a picture of myself from six months ago and I can't look at any more pictures of my like I can't look at any old pictures because they're so just disgusted with their old eyebrows before (laughs) seeing us. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. I mean, it really does like change. It changes your face. Yeah. Changes lives. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like it really like like have you seen those memes of like celebrities without eyebrows when they take it off oh my gosh it's so funny you know my mom was actually born without eyebrows i have an uncle too it's like a gene yeah every like and her all none of her sisters have them and like half my cousins so every time any of us have a baby we always make and thank god all my kids got them (laughs) so what does she do maybe that would be drama yeah or just permanent makeup and i think that's the time and a place for where I think it's great. So, is But there... she still puts makeup over it because it doesn't look natural after. Yeah. So is it like microblading she does or like, because I know, is there a difference between microblading and like tattooed brows? Like how people go and get like tattooed liner and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, microblading, actually, it's like a, it's like a knife. Yeah. Or like a, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's, they sit and that's the hair strokes is really just like knife cuts, like an exacto knife. I'm sure oh it's gosh. more technical I'm than like that. I'm cringing. I'm cringing too. And <laughs> I hear, you can hear it from the next room, like the cutting. Oh my gosh. Women's prisons in Russia. <laughs> Not sure how they got those. Pa- I don't know what the guards are thinking. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, they're just. I mean, there's it. knives in prison, right? Yeah. They they make them out of toothbrushes. Oh my gosh. But, um, toothbrush microblading. I know. Toothbrush shank microblading. That's where it, that's where it all began. Yeah. But, I'm um, for it. no, my, I mean, my mom and my cousins, it was before microblading. They just did the flat out. The tattoo. Yeah. And, um, honestly, like a lot of microblading ends up looking like that anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but does it last any differently or no? You know, microblading from, what I understand, so I've, I've seen people that got microbladed once and never got a touch up and it's been three years and it hasn't faded. And I guess it's the, this is another kind of issue I have with the marketing is they say it's semi-permanent, but what makes it semi-permanent is the angle of the knife and the actual pressure that the human technician, that's a human, mm-hmm. uses. And so, got it. so you'll see people that, yeah, most of it's faded except for to a 
like a beautiful fluorescent peach. <laughs> Sorry. But then some parts haven't faded. Loses all because, I mean, who do microblading. <laughs> well, no. I mean, I like I've had like people ask me if we get height. Yeah, time and place. Hate mail over it. And I like I've had people actually reach out and say everything you're saying is absolutely correct. Okay. And like they don't I call me any microblade. I've done more eyebrows than you have because yeah. it's not been around that long. Yeah. And I've that's also true. seen permanent makeup like the aftermath of it. Well, that's why I never chose to do it. Yeah. Because I don't think I could sleep at night. Yeah. But just knowing that it was going to fade to a weird color and not knowing what color. getting clients text. And then like or yeah I mean that's just my I couldn't handle it. Yeah. The anxiety but but no, I think like I think it looks pretty on my mom, and I think like I think it's yeah. definitely needed. I just don't think girls in high school, for example, should no, be getting it. No, and there exactly. is so many. Exactly. And I don't think like I don't think it's everyone should be doing it. I think you should actually just get them tinted. Have you ever tried getting them tinted before getting a tattoo? Which tinted is the best? So yeah. you offer waxing, tinting. T- what do you, What do you all offer? We mostly just. We mostly do brows. We yeah. recently added lash lifts, which was really hard for me, but we did. Yeah. Um, but we mostly specialize in eyebrow waxing and shaping, tinting. I mean, of course, we do, like, upper lip waxes and nostril okay. waxes. But um, mostly, like, it's our brows are our main focus. And we just started doing brow laminations, which we call Extra Honey. Love. Because it is kind of extra. Yeah. Have you ever had that done? Yes, but not by you, and I need to make an appointment. Yes. Um, I'm obsessed. Like, it's kind of like we – it's almost like a permanent – we use, like, the same solution for lash lifts, and we actually, like, glue your hairs up. So anyone with, like, unruly hairs, me. curly brow hairs, Brows hairs that, that grow down. Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> me. A lot of people – or, like, we did an older gentleman the other day, okay. and that was pretty cool. Awesome. You know, because I have a lot of wives yeah. be like, my husband's eyebrows grow in all crazy directions. So oh, maybe my dad should get it. Yeah, like dad should get it. I got his eyebrows, and I like have to trim them like every time I give him a haircut. They're oh. long. Well, so it'd probably be good for him. I know it's the same. They like curl down onto our eyelids. Yeah, I mean it's they get long. It's but. cool because it just gives you more control, mm-hmm. and it lasts about six weeks. Well, and if you like that fluffy look, um, mm-hmm. it definitely will give you that um i like that you can comb them any direction and they just yeah you can stay. move them around it doesn't have to be like straight up but sometimes the first like day after you get it i kind of feel like you feel i don't like a yeah. spider monster yeah no i yeah. felt like that when i first like the first morning after i was like oh no what whatever have I and done? then you just take a spoolie and you calm them down yeah yeah great. yep yeah yeah amazing well, even my husband like loves it really yeah. have you been doing it on him no, or I've been no, doing just, it on me, and he, yeah. like, we went to Park City the other weekend, and he was like, wow, like, we're in the hot tub right now, and your eyebrows are just staying put. Like, he, like, noticed. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's kind of cute. I love it. Well, <laughs> Brad licking his fingers, slicking his brows. Yeah, we need to do Brad. <laughs> well, awesome. I really am going to get on make an appointment after this. So, recap, if you guys want to find the Brow Hive, go to Instagram and follow... The Brow Hive. The Brow Hive. Go, and from there, your um, website is linked. Yes. Yes. Yep. And you can go buy Peach Fuzz on there, which seriously is such a game changer, not only for just everyone, but also like makeup artists. I think it's kind of an essential to have in your kit. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we've talked all the beauty things. Should we talk the spooky things now? 
Yes. Okay. So we were texting, and of course, you know, last minute me is like texting you a few days before, and it's Thanksgiving weekend, and I still feel awful. But I'm like, let's do like missing people, like vanished, like literally just seems like someone just vanished off the face of the earth. So have you ever heard of the story of Sneha Philip? Mm, I don't think so. Have you, Brad? Okay, so I heard this story earlier this year, and it kind of blew my mind. So I'm going to tell you, commentary welcome. Let's just dive into it. So Sneha Ann Phillip was born in the Indian state of Kerala, and in her youth, she actually moved to upstate New York. She ended up graduating high school, attending John Hopkins University, and then enrolled in the Chicago School of Medicine in 95. There she met her husband, Ron Lieberman, and the two started dating shortly after they met. Not only did they have like the same intended career, but they were both, and I love this, they were both like really artistic too. Like he was a musician, she loved to paint, like they just had this good thing going for them. So they, I think they knew they were each other's person and they wanted to like end up together. So she wanted to graduate at the same time. So then they'd be moving together. So she actually took a year off of school, went and explored Europe. Like this is just really painting the picture for like their personalities, like just fun, adventurous, full of life people. Um, so after they graduated, they moved to New York City where they had both gained residencies at different hospitals and they were married in, two, in May of 2000. All seemed right. They had these great jobs. They lived um, downtown New York. They were just, like, loving it. But Sneha was last seen on September 10th of 2001. So. The day before September 11th. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. Just, yeah, just wait. (laughs) So (laughs) that morning, Ron had accompanied Sneha to a court hearing where she had pled not guilty to a charge that she had filed a false complaint at her hospital, which months prior, she had actually accused a male coworker of like touching her inappropriately, doing all these things, which actually they did like this full investigation on it. And I mean, who really knows what came up, but it kind of came out that it was untrue. And she had been struggling in some different areas, which I'll touch on later. So I don't know, things just weren't good. But so he dropped her off. No, I think he was at the hearing with her and then left. And so she didn't have to work that day. So she was planning on spending the rest of the day like cleaning. She had her cousin coming into town and she was super close to their family. And I mean, get this. She had a two hour online chat with her mom. Like love, like the technology, though, like in India, mom in India. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, actually, no. Mom lived upstate New York. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then she signed off and went to drop off some clothes at a neighborhood dry cleaner, then went to Century 21, which do you know what that is? It's like a big department store. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Been there. Yes. Where she used the couple's American Express card to buy lingerie, a dress, pantyhose, and bed linens. Afterwards, she bought three pairs of shoes at another store. A security camera at Century 21 recorded her during this shopping trip, and this was, like, the last scene footage that was confirmed of Sneha's presence anywhere. So that night after work, Ron returned to the couple's apartment, and I think he got off pretty late, like, doctor hours. I mean, if he dropped her off in the morning, I think it's usually at least, like, a 10-hour shift type thing. I guess depending what kind of doctor, but... 
So he got back after midnight and said she wasn't there, but he believed she had stayed out late. Apparently, this had kind of become a habit. She was going out a lot and staying out late and coming home, like, sometimes, like, between 7 and 9 in the morning. Hmm. So just, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So he, like, I think it had been a cause of contention for them, so he was just like, whatever, and just went to bed. You know, he had to be up early for work. So later, though, in the investigation, they found that someone had called his cell phone from their apartment at 4 a.m., which makes no sense because in the morning he woke up and she wasn't there. But he's like, I think, I think it's weird that he doesn't remember, but it could just be one of those sleepy things, but that he called, like, you know, back then you'd call your cell phone to check your voicemail. Yeah. So he thinks... I think it's so weird that they're saying he thinks he did this, but he thinks he did this and was just trying to see if he had heard from her or anything. So when he got up for work at 6.30, she wasn't there. He headed out for his day. And then that morning he had a meeting, and as he finished up his meeting, he comes out, and, like, America's falling to pieces, you know? Like, it's been struck by one of the most tragic moments in American history. 9-11 was happening. The city was... Det- uh, descended into chaos and the thing is they lived like blocks from the towers so can you imagine the anxiety he's feeling well he has to let he's probably like rescuing all these yeah people. exactly like it's not like he can like leave it she didn't have a cell phone so he's seriously just sitting there like calling over and over calling their house and one of the biggest like reception towers he did have a cell phone but one of the biggest reception towers was on one of the twin towers So, like, calls weren't working, and when they were, it was going to voicemail. Like, it was just so... And then he's working, I'm sure, rescuing people, you know, just so chaotic. So when he finally got off work, he, like, hitched a ride in an ambulance that was going that way. It took six hours. It was probably, like, a 20-minute drive. Mm. That's so sad, and you can just... I can't even imagine the chaos. And do you you remember 9-11, like, where you were? Yeah. It's interesting. Everyone, I feel like, yeah, remembers, like, that moment so clearly. I actually didn't live in the U.S. then, so that was really surreal. We lived in Italy. And (laughs) my mom's, yeah, her family's Italian, and we had the opportunity to live there for a couple years. I'm, like, wiping the droll from my chin now. (laughs) How cool. Yeah, it was a really fun experience. Do you speak Italian? I mean, I was so little. I can understand a lot more than I speak, but... But I remember my parents were in the grocery store, and they just saw it on the news. And we had moved there, like, I think six months before. Like, it was so just devastating. So he makes his way past the rubble destruction, gets to his building, and when he gets there, he realizes it's like an electric system. The doors. So he can't get into the building because there's no electricity. Oh. Which is kind of interesting that that was a thing, but I feel like some buildings might still be like that now, but maybe for safety precautions, they've learned not to do that. Yeah, or maybe they'd buy, like, a generator. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe there's no room. (laughs) Maybe not. So, there was no way for him to get in, and he was forced to give up and spend, like, a sleepless night at a friend's house, just filled with worry and anxiety, um, before finally heading home to the apartment on September 12th. So that morning when he was finally able to get there, he walked into this very eerie scene. One of the windows had been left open, so the whole apartment 
was just like covered in ash and so like it was like a blanket over everything there were no human footprints but there were little footprints from their cat oh kitty yeah which i think the cat was okay but this just confirmed she still hadn't come home because there's no way you know you would have seen it so then he's like oh my gosh like this was kind of like my last like he was holding onto the hope that she had come home and just couldn't reach each other so then he like makes the rounds again calling friends and family and he had called them the day before and no one had heard anything you know but like seeing if she had showed up anywhere or anything and his he's finally talking to her mother and they're just kind of going back through like retracing steps like okay like we talked yesterday what did we talk about going through and she just has this like moment of coming to where she realizes this fact that seemed like nothing at the time but in this moment felt like everything so when they were talking on the like i what what was it called i am instant messenger yeah dial up dial up i can like hear the noise i know um but she actually mentioned that she was planning to visit the windows on the world restaurant on the top of the nearby north tower of the world trade center where their friend was going to be married next spring. So, you know, that was just like a gut punch. Yeah. Like, they were so freaked out. Um, and it felt super daunting. And But when it came to it, it didn't really add up because nothing happened until the morning. Like, she wasn't going to go out all night and go at 7 a.m. And then also, I looked it up. It wasn't even open. And it's really sad. There were employees there. Like, 79 employees passed away in the accident which like just makes my heart feel heavy but there were no customers it wasn't open yet so rule that out it yeah so that was one thing um his next call was to american express because you couldn't just go online and check your statement Uh yeah so he called them and he learned about all of her credit card purchases that i told you about um so Next, he went to Century 21. He posted flyers of her. And later that week, he actually got a phone call from a clerk who had been in the Lower Manhattan store but was relocated to Brooklyn, saying she actually remembered seeing Sneha. And she had come in a lot. They, like, knew each other. But on the evening of September 10th, she said she had been there, and she was accompanied by another young woman who was possibly Indian as well. But they reviewed videotapes and footage And they finally found her on the camera, but she was alone. But it was just her in one little section. So, again, Mm. just another little puzzle piece that we don't know if it was... I mean, that was such a traumatic time. I don't even know how anyone was thinking straight at that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she obviously was one of the hundreds of people reported missing that day. And like all the other victims, her family was posting flyers all over the city in an effort to find her. But the thing is, like, because the last time she was seen was on September 10th, they weren't counting her as, like, part of September 11th. Yeah, she probably just got lost in the shuffle. Exactly. So her brother decides he gets this brilliant idea that he soon later regretted. But he brought this, like, whole story to the media and was like, no, I talked to her. She was, like, at the building, like... And then we lost contact. Like, she was, the, like, trying to get their attention because even, I i don't know if this was said or just implied, but, like, 
he had they had talked to press and it was like honestly if it doesn't have to do with 9-11 right now like no one's reporting on it kind of thing so he like made this whole story like thinking that he's getting this big like just spotlight on their story but the thing is all it did was like confuse investigators and like that was precious time put towards that that like there could have been other things going on so later he like came out and was like that was wrong and the whole family was all like super upset about it and so this article said a lot since police detectives initially seemed unhelpful which that line kind of bothered me because I can't imagine the amount of work they were putting in everywhere. I'm sure this was so frustrating, but there was so much going on, you know. Um, but they, I guess, just assumed that she had died in the accident as well. So he, Ron, her husband, decided to go and hire um, his own, like, private investigator. Um, so the man he hired, his name was Gallant. How do you say that? Gallant? Gallant. 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 Detective Gallant. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And he found two pieces of evidence suggesting that she, like, that really put in his mind that she had returned to the apartment building early the morning of September 11th. So the first was the call, which we kind of already debunked because... I mean, he was there at 4 a.m., and unless, you know, it, I mean, we could go down a whole nother rabbit hole, but unless he was involved in some way and committed some perfect crime that was covered up by 9-11, right, then... And it was his phone calling the apartment? Yeah. So that just yeah, doesn't... Because why would he, if he was out murdering her, yeah. call the apartment? Exactly. Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, but then the second one was there was actually a video, like security camera in the lounge that is not in the lobby (laughs) and timestamped at 8 43 a.m just three minutes before the american airlines flight 11 crashed into the north tower and also within the 7 to 9 a.m time frame that ron later testified she usually returned after her nights out it shows a woman entering the building waiting near the and waiting near the elevator looking at it and then just turning around and walking out hmm. um the thing is the sunlight the way it was like streaking in it like blew out the camera so all you could really see was a silhouette but with comparing the video at century 21 to this video like the outfit looks the same the hairstyle looks the same and then even her family claimed that they had like the same mannerisms so the weird thing though is she was not carrying any of the bags hmm. that she would have had um, and but I mean, was she c- carrying the bags? What did she do? Where did she go out? Like to bars? Drinking? Exactly. Yeah. Well, so yeah. Who was the lingerie for? Exactly. So, she's not carrying any of the bags. The shopping bags were never recovered, never found anywhere, and they. There's our ghost. (laughs) Um, And they never, like, no one ever came forward and was like, oh, she was at my house the night before. Here are these bags. Nothing like that ever happened. So that was just another, like, cold lead, cold case. I don't know. So then um, Gallant, Gallant, whatever you want to call it. Gallant. Gallant. He, I mean, and I feel like, this probably freaked Ron out, but he's like, we got to start investigating that, like, she could have, like, fled. Like, she could have seen this opportunity 
and just left her life, right? Or she could have been, like, having an affair. She could have used this attack to, you know, run away from her personal problems that were going on. And so he searched and questioned at all of her favorite bars, local hangouts, and he even, like, brought photos of her to the ferry and just hoping someone might have seen her, like, on or before September 11th. He went through her computer, hoping he might find evidence of an affair, considering what she had purchased, um, the lingerie, pantyhose, and bed sheets. He speculated that she was planning for an upcoming tryst, but all leads, you know, came up short. So <clears throat> her hard drive didn't reveal any evidence for any plan. And also another thing that kind of deterred them was that she had left her glasses, her passport, driver's license, credit cards, except the American Express behind. Hmm. But also, I don't know. I don't think that really means anything. If you're going to go start a new life, you don't want those. Yeah, but you need money. Money, yes. Unless whoever she's with. Yeah. So. Bed sheets. Like she had bed sheets. Yeah. So. He kept the American Express account open just in case there was ever any movement on it, but nothing ever happened. So they eventually concluded that um, Sneha witnessed the attack and as a physician rushed to the site to render aid and subsequently perished there, either within the towers or during the collapse. Um, But I think this was so frustrating to the family. The court and police documents painted an entirely different picture from like this wholesome heroic doctor um and it it came out that it was true once that sneha's professional life leading up to her disappearance was kind of falling apart her struggles with depression and alcohol were affecting her job she was suspended for failing to um meet with a substance abuse counselor she ended up getting fired not long after that she was involved in an altercation that resulted in her spending a night in jail like things were just not good and not only that but then it came to light that Sneha often stayed out all night with individuals that she met at various bars this explained why Ron wasn't you know and I said this earlier but why he wasn't alarmed because apparently this was something she was doing all the time um poor Ron yeah, but well, she just being a doctor and going home and so she apparently favored lesbian bars and Ron admitted that Sneha was known to go home on occasion with women she met at bars, but he was like, no, it's completely innocent. So there also was a police report that claimed that Sneha stormed out of the courthouse on September 10th after the couple got into. Sorry. Um, after the couple got into an argument over her alleged drug abuse and marital affairs. But Ron now denies that ever happened. And then also on the police report and literally on these documents, there was this whole claim, like a report, that Sneha and her brother, like he had called the cops on her. They weren't on speaking terms because he came home and caught her in bed with his girlfriend. Oh, <gasps> So, like, Ron and Sneha were like, this is not true. None of this ever happened. But why would a police, like, write that in? I mean, I guess you never know. Like, I'm not making any claims here on what I think Well, why would the brother make that up? Yeah. For for a good time? No. No. (laughs) And, like, yeah, why would... It just doesn't make sense. Like, that's... 
that has nothing to do with it. And it seems like, like Sneha had a lot of people upset with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just what like, about what the would police gain? So the from co- this? she accused the coworker of grabbing her, but mm-hmm. then later said that he didn't. Well, so I guess I think it was at like a work function, and I don't know if there were like witnesses or like CCTV, you know, like some security. But like it came out that like it wasn't real. So. Based on the police report's findings, and this is just the icing on the cake, the, a surrogate court judge removed Sneha from the 9-11 victims list in 2004, which I'm sure just, like, broke her family's heart. Like, they said, based on her personal and professional problems, along with se- lack of sufficient evidence proving her whereabouts, that she wasn't going to be a part of the victim list, which I think that's so harsh. Like, yeah. If that's if she disappeared that day and they lived right there, like, no matter what happened, don't like say, well, she's got all these problems in her personal life, so we're not gonna put her there at that time. I just don't get that. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure any doctor yeah. would be running to those towers. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Ron even had told New York Magazine, even if she did all these things, referring back to like her going out, maybe an affair, maybe, you know, all those. That it, it doesn't explain what happened. He believed that pulling off the perfect murder on the same day that 3,000 people almost di- also died seemed like an unlikely coincidence. These kinds of crimes do not happen in lower Manhattan. That somebody goes missing from a homicide and they don't find the body. Killers are usually stupid. They leave clues. A body will come up. Sneha just vanished, vanished, vanished with no trace. The only thing that makes sense is that she burned in the World Trade Center just so devastating. So they continued to fight for their daughter's legacy for five years. And finally, in 2008, an appeals court reversed the decision made by the surrogate court. And she was listed as the 2,751st victim of the 9-11 ter- terrorist attacks on New York. And her name is included on the memorial with the other 3,000 victims. Just so sad. And I think the world was just like, this is what happened. We figured it out. Because when you look up her name, like, so much comes up. Like, it was this big mystery during this time. So, you know, although there were some mysteries and rumors going around, most people accepted this was what happened. But then some didn't. Like, many believe that the woman caught on camera who stopped and turned around and left with Sneha hearing the crash and running outside. But others think this could be like literally a once in a life, not even a lifetime, like in a billion lifetimes opportunity where she was like, I could literally just leave, start over. Like no one would ever know. Like think about it. Like she could have taken that moment and just been like, this is my chance to, like no one would ever know, you know? Yeah. That just doesn't make sense to me though. Yeah. Like, unless you have, like, a big box of cash somewhere, mm-hmm. I don't understand how you can just be like, I've made too many mistakes. Yeah. So I'm going to just take nothing. And leave. And start over. How? I feel like the only way is, like... like homelessness? Well... A lover? I, well, that's what I think. I think that's the only way it could be, if, if it was with someone else. And I do think it's so interesting that she bought all these things and they were never found, yeah. Like, it's like she could have left with someone. Like, if if she did, 
then I think that's the only way. Because it's not, yeah, she wouldn't just leave and go live on the streets or leave, like, yeah, and she's where like, would she go? She doesn't have a if car. If you're going to run away with a have... lover, you're going to get bed sheets, lingerie, <laughs> and pantyhose. Yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> Brad, yep. <laughs> but, I like, I, I even saw people arguing on Reddit, like, well, you need an ID, you need, but, like, we have to remember, like, this was, I guess it was 9-11, but it was, like, pre-9-11 days, like, you could, like, walk onto your plane 15 minutes before. You know, like, it was just such a different time that I'm sure she could have left and started something, maybe, and even just driven through. You know what I mean? I don't know. So many options. So, it's just so weird that the bags never showed up. No one ever claimed that they were with her. Like, it was just silence. Yeah. So, the person, I think, like, that person could be a missing puzzle piece if there is that person, right? Like... They could know where she is or, you know, someone could have done something to her or like she could have gone home with someone who was, you know, it could have been just coincidental, but some deranged person who killed her. Like she could have gone home with a serial killer and no one would ever know. Yeah. So, yeah, there and they could have just unknowingly committed this perfect crime that no one would ever even. But I feel like most serial killers are men. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I wonder what the percentages are. Of yeah. That. Yeah. Because it makes me feel it's less likely if she's into going home with women. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Ron, though. <laughs> Ron. Ronald. But then maybe Ronald killed her. Yeah. But I don't know when he would have. You know what I mean? Yeah. I but mean, also, but if they did get in a fight after he the could court. in the apartment. Yeah. And the soot all covered it. Well, and you could just, like, be like, oh, yeah, the, um, I'll just put her body over here. Like, with all the others. <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So these were all just wild rumors running around, though, until, like, something, like, broke the internet. Have you heard of Post Secret ever? No. You Okay. So it's been around for, like, do you know Post Secret? It's been around for, like, years. And every Sunday, it's a website. You just look it up. It's postsecret.com. People send in, like, postcards of, like, their deepest, darkest secret. And it's, like, completely anonymous. So I pulled up some from yesterday's. Um... Just to, like, give you an example. So, like, here's one. It's got, like, a picture of a cat. And it says, I've never told my husband I had a child before we got together. Or, like, this one. I used to put people in jail for drugs and then go into the bathroom and do my drugs. Wow. This one I thought was actually really sweet. I'm 49 years old. I just started a new job a month ago. The best part of my week was when two coworkers came and sat with me at lunch. So it's like some you're like, oh my gosh, and some you're like, oh, like it's just like people just send these in. Um, so I don't, I couldn't find exactly what year it was, but this came through. I'm gonna let you look at it first. Wow. So Post Secret gets this postcard, and it's, what would you say that is? A painting? Which she painted. <laughs> Maybe a drawing. I don't know what. It's like a photograph of like smoke. Oh, those are the twin towers. Well, it's okay, the twin towers, that. but like see the texture of oh, it. Yeah, like she's do you an think... artist. She yeah. was an artist. But so this postcard reads, "Everyone who knew me before 9/11 believes I'm dead." Wow. And I think everyone just instantly like was like Sneha. Like it just like clicked and blew up. So, I think this is one of those cases that we'll never know the answers to. There's so many different rabbit holes you can go down. But, yeah, that's the case of Sneha Phillips. I think they eventually did declare her dead from 9-11. And, you know, they put her on that memorial and 
but there's still so many people out there who are like we we never so would know. Maybe she was planning. Maybe th- maybe that's why she had a two hour chat with her mom that day. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, she obviously she didn't know nine eleven was going to happen. But maybe she was planning to leave. Yeah. Maybe she was coming up to pack her stuff and then. I mean, you hear that crash, you know you're not you're not gonna go into your apartment casually and get your stuff. Like she probably she could have been like, if I'm gonna leave, I have to leave now. Yeah, yeah. But also, I mean, she could have been this heroic, amazing person who went in and risked her life for others, and I don't want to discount that because maybe she did a little bit of both. Yeah, and I I actually did see that. I saw people who were like, I think it's both. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because how could you not go and like save people if you spent that much yeah. time in medical school? I don't know. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I don't know. So, ooh, that's a good one. So yeah, that's a good one. So there's our story for today. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I think are we just gonna share that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, thanks for having it's me. It's been so much fun having you here. I, everyone just needs to go get their brows done at the Brow Hive. Oh, well, thanks. Seriously, the best. I'm not just saying this. Like, Thank you. I feel like my brows have never felt better. So, yeah, again, where they, where can they find you? Um, thebrowhive.com. Yes. Um, on Instagram, we're the Brow Hive. Um, book an appointment, the-browhive.com. Perfect. And I will put all of this in our show notes and on social media. And like always, if you guys are liking the podcast, please go leave a review and a rating. It means the world to us. And yeah, come find us on Instagram, Makeup Masking Murder, or on Twitter, Makeup Masking Murder Podcast. I love hearing your guys' theories. I want to know people's opinions on this one. This one's crazy. Yeah. And I feel like it can go so many different ways. And I feel like I could see people being real opinionated about this. So I want to hear it. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming and listening to another week. And we will see you, talk to you soon. (laughs) Thanks for coming, Kelly. Yeah, thank you. episode of Makeup, Masking, and Murder is written and brought to you by me, Abby Hill, with special thanks to our amazing production manager, Brad Newfeld. Our theme song and music is written by David Evanhoff, owner of David Evanhoff Sound Designs. Vocals by the amazing Emily Starr and David Evanhoff. Thank you to everyone who's made this possible, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>